This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show coming up are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, this is Dan Sang with Subversity. Uh, today we're going to be talking about why is America so obsessed with sex scandals? And with us is a um, former escort who will be talking about his view on this whole sex scandal phenomenon, especially recently involving governors and ex-governors in East, on the East Coast. Um, uh, we have with us uh, Tony Valenzuela. Uh, welcome, Tony. Uh, hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tony, this is your second appearance on Subversity. You were here actually uh, 10 years ago, almost. Yeah. Oh, 11 I, years I, ago. I remember. I, I, I actually, when I, when I read that note, I, I was surprised it's been so long. Yeah, uh, yeah it seems, yeah, time passes fast. Uh, right. Why do you think there is this whole uh, media obsession with, uh, you know, with sex scandals, whereas people say that in Europe, this people wouldn't care, like, you know, the officials in France, for instance, have lots of um, mistresses or whatever. Have wife has a wife has a have wife and mistress, and right. children, illegitimate so-called illegitimate children, whatever. And nobody bats an eye. Right. Um, well, I, I had uh, read some commentaries from um, Europe, and they were talking about that difference between um, America and European attitudes around sex scandals and. One of the things that was interesting about, for example, why um, Sarkozy, uh, the president of France, was um, uh, being criticized for his, um, you know, new marriage uh, and relationship with that supermodel was was not because he had it, but because he seemed to be flagrant about it. They 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 found. His um, uh, the way he was behaving in public vulgar, and that was the issue. Not it wasn't the fact that um, that he had left his uh, you know former wife for this new uh, much younger one, and um, I think that here uh, in the United States um, we just tend to be both uh, very moralistic um, and uh, also I think. Um, we are sort of, I would say, in denial or shameful about our erotic desires um, in the U.S., maybe more in particular here than in other places, so that sex scandals seem to thrive, even though the behaviors that are, um, uh, you know, the, the, like Spitzer's um, hiring prostitutes or whatever kinds of affairs, even though these behaviors are not not uncommon in the least, um, they tend to blow up with a certain flair in the, in the U.S., um, you know, for a number of reasons, I think, um, not the least of which is just, you, you know, as, as many people say, our, you know, puritanical background. Um, but we just here, I think, have an unrealistic view of sexuality. We, we seem to take a, a moralistic view more than anything else. Uh, it seems like people also in denial about, um, you know, they have this, they sanctify heterosexual marriage. They don't want gays involved in marriage, and so they put this on the pedestal, and yet uh, the divorce rate is high in the U.S. Right. 
Um, well, you know, the, that's the interesting thing about this is the actual sort of the reality of our um, sex and relationship uh, um, lives here in the U.S. Um, is that about 40 to 50 percent of marriages end in divorce, um, about um, uh, 20 to 25 percent of couples admit to having extramarital affairs, um, certainly um, prostitution being the oldest professional in the world is not only common, it's a multi-billion dollar unregulated industry. Um, so, you know, what's happening behind closed doors is so different than the rhetoric that we seem to engage in um, when, you know, f especially famous people um, are caught with their pants down. Um, so uh, there's just a gulf, uh, uh, clearly a gulf between the reality of our lives and, you know, what we, you know, project or wish our uh, sexual uh, morals or ethics to be. Yeah, I remember watching a uh, film about swingers, and it was actually uh, the scenes of the sexual escapades were actually done in Huntington Beach, right behind the orange curtain. And uh, it was probably, I was kind of surprised that there was all the stuff actually going on behind, you know, out behind closed doors, right? In right, our in, neighborhood. In, in Orange County. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You, you must know, have. You must know about that. Uh, that have you? When you were working as an escort, did you have clients from Orange County? I well, I, I did. Um, I mean, I had clients uh, mostly all over Southern California, um, and being based in Los Angeles, uh, and this being a, a city with so many, you know, so much international, um, you know, business here. I mean, I. People from all, all over the world, of course, came here, and um, I would be hired. And sometimes I would go, um, you know, be flown someplace, for example, or, um, or you know, work in New York or Miami, what have you. Um, but, you know, the person's politics has, has nothing to do with their sexual behavior. I mean, that, hmm. uh, if, if anything, the last five years of, of um, you know, Republican administration scandals um, have shown that, you know, sexual pro proclivities definitely cross the aisle. Um, and, um, you know, I think to uh, the amusement of, of a lot of um, people, some of the juiciest of these scandals come from, you know, people who are famous moralists. Right. Uh, Republicans, yeah. I would say, who are famous moralists. But, I mean, I, I don't it, – it's – there is, I don't think there's a – I think the Republican phenomenon of this issue is one in which the, the hypocrisy um, um, surfaces uh, most prominently. I mean, with Spitzer, him being a Democrat, he was certainly – the hypocrisy was central to his story because he was prosecuting uh, prostitution rings. Um, also, and, uh, you know, his yeah. – his, um, his, Reputation was as Mr. Clean, and 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 you know going after corruption, and it seemed, uh, and you know covert activities, and it seems like this is exactly how he uh, behaved in his private life, in his private sexual life. So clearly, um, he, you know, one of his uh, major um, crimes was his own hypocrisy. Um, but you know, he's a Democrat. But we, I think, those of us on the left have 
a, a lot more fun or have a special kind of fun when witnessing, um, you know, famous moralists who are Republican, um, uh, you know, who are found out to have their own relationships with prostitutes or what have you. Uh, he was also of, of infamous, I guess, uh, uh, crusader against sex trafficking and worked with feminist groups to uh, crack down on that. And even uh, he pushed for enhanced uh, penalties against Johns, even though some of the women's groups didn't want that. And um, even at the same time, he was apparently a John himself. Right, that's correct. He um, he passed the most uh, um, stringent legislation um, on prostitution, probably the, in the United States, where the sh- where he shifted the penalty of crime um, more heavily on the Johns, which was something that historically, ha- you know, Johns have um, historically been, you know, treated more lightly. Um, and it's prosti- and you know it's sort of prostitution ringleaders and the prostitutes themselves who have um, been um, you know the ones uh, you know at the short end of the stick in terms of criminalization and he uh, made it a you know centerpiece of um, some of his legislation to go after John so it's you know it's you could call it um, poetic justice that he. Uh, himself became the most famous, uh, you know, I wouldn't say victim, <laughs> but um, the, the most famous, um, uh, you know, recipient of his new legislation. That is, if we don't, and we don't know yet, if um, he's going to be charged, uh, you know, for, um, if he's going to actually be prosecuted, um, we, that we don't know. Do you, what do you think of his working with women's groups to try to get this uh, legislation uh, passed? Well, you know, I I think that uh, recent in recent years, and I do think this has been pushed by by the Republican administrations. There's been this conflating of human trafficking with prostitution, and um, there, the the truth is is that by far. By far and away, most prostitution is not human trafficking. Most prostitution throughout throughout the world is um, is a consensual exchange between um, you know client and prostitute, where you know the client gets pleasure and the prostitute gets cash. And um, around the world, um, you know, sex workers, be they women or men. Um, are willing participants in this exchange and are um, able to uh, have, uh, in terms of, you know, levels of uh, or comparable uh, service industry professions make up to, in some of the research I found, you know, 30 times more money um, than than other types of jobs um, that, you know, would require a certain kind of skills level, say. so human trafficking, of the prostitution absolutely has this ugly side, and that's where human trafficking comes in, where women and children are exploited. And I, and I suppose, although I don't hear it very often, um, where men would be um, ex, uh, you know, suffering that kind of you know, human trafficking. But um, 
that is a real issue, and and that apt, that should be addressed by governments and human rights groups. Um, and so my point would be just I think we need to be careful not to conflate, conflate human trafficking necessarily with prostitution. I think it was it's important that um, governments, uh, and it was important that Spicer, I think Spitzer, I mean, um, uh, worked with women groups to combat human trafficking, um, <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, make we need to clarify between the two types or not just the two types, but clarify that human that all prostitution is not human trafficking. And in fact, it's only a minority of um, prostitutes who are, you know, basically forced to be. Do you know if he worked with uh, women's groups that were uh, supportive of sex workers? Uh, because I know from some of the news accounts that some of the women's groups did not support his uh, enhancement of penalties for Johns. And so they they distance themselves from that part of his uh, legislation, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to say I don't know. I don't know um, what the details of, uh, were in terms of what the women's groups specifically supported. I mean, I can understand, and I think a lot of uh, women's groups have uh, fall on the side of supporting um, uh, sex workers' rights and regulating, sex, and regulating the sex work industry because... Uh, women um, uh, are so often the victims of um, violence and exploitation, not just human trafficking, but just in, in terms of um, sex work on the streets or from their pimps. So I think that many women groups are in support of sex workers and in support of legalizing prostitution. Um, so I can imagine that, um, and though I don't know which ones and what, that this the women's groups would want to shy away from any further types of criminalization on sex work um, and where their focus would want to be primarily on human trafficking. Right, definitely. The, and it probably falls with bet- between the pro-sex women versus the so-called anti-sex women of the, yeah, from I, the sex debates of the 80s and 90s, I guess. Right, yes. I mean, that goes uh, certainly back for uh, a couple of decades. And, you know, I think feminism today is, I think, I mean, you know, or post-feminists and and certainly a lot of the um, uh, progressive women that I uh, both work with and read are um, pro-sex. And uh, the, you know, we had those sex wars in the 80s, and I I think, you know, while... Sometimes these issues surface, and and um, some of these old debates um, are rehashed. I, I would think that the um, that feminists today and people on the left today fall on the side of pro-sex. I would hope so. Um, yeah. What do you think of this uh, revelation? The re- more recent revelations involving the governor, the former governor of New York, uh, Elliot Spitzer, that he he actually engaged in uh, threesomes. Uh, before he became governor with a college student from Rutgers who was hired as his chauffeur and basically, um, you know, male aide and with him and his wife. And so his wife was suing him for alimony, I suppose, saying, claiming that he didn't know he was gay. Uh, this is not Spitzer. Oh, this is McGreevy. Uh, Sorry, um, I'm confusing the two governors, former governors. Uh, this is the New Jersey governor, McGreevy. 
and yeah. his wife uh, was playing the stoic, um, unknowing wife standing by the man's side at the press conference when he resigned his governorship. And then it turns out that um, there were all these Friday night three-ways uh, with this uh, Rutgers student and um, a male student that they uh, that he had um, he had gotten involved with uh, with her. Right. Well, I mean, I think that. Uh, I mean, that sort of m- makes us uh, aware that she wasn't, she, her position when this all came out was shock, um, and um, certainly, you know, she played the victim in, in, in her. Uh, right. Oops, are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay, no, I was hearing a beeping, I'm sorry. Um, certainly she was playing a victim uh, when, you know, it was revealed that me, when he came out publicly um, as a gay American and having had, um, you know, this affair. Uh, so uh, my reaction when I heard about the three ways was, again, how, um, and this is, this when, when, when we have sex scandals um, in America, I mean, there's, different kinds of sex scandals. I think the juiciest always involve, or usually involve politicians uh, because, you know, politicians are, make themselves out, out to be these sort of perfect citizens and, and with the perfect family. Um, and, you know, time and again, <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> we're, abused of that we're notion. shown just how human right. um, these couples are. But um, the, it, it didn't surprise me to hear about the three ways because, um, you know, three ways are actually not uncommon um, in relationships. And while it might seem uh, shocking that, um, you know, a couple of this sort of stature and position would engage in this type of behavior, it hardly is. It is um, I'm not saying that, um, you know, three ways are that everybody's having them, but they're, cert- they're certainly not uncommon. And people's sexual erotics are... Um, are extremely diverse and um, and you know varied. You think uh, it, so, it, it yeah, helps? Uh, it helps keep relationships together. Uh, having a third party. Well, you know, I think over one of the things that I I I feel like I learned as a sex worker was how sex. Um, how sexuality is um, how like how the breadth of sexuality is just so vast, and so there are people who um, are, for example, I would meet guys who were married and had wives, and who and I would have conversations with them. Um, and sometimes they would be regulars, and they, I truly believe that they not only loved their wives, but that they uh, enjoyed sex with their wives, and that they enjoyed sex with women. And I think sometimes we have this idea that, you know, bisexuality is some kind of, um, you know, middle phase, like, you know, you're really not deciding between your real orientation of straight or gay, and I don't believe that anymore. Mm. I don't believe it because of my experience with, as an escort, I just met too many um, clients who 
I believed did enjoy sex with women and from time to time um, liked to have sex with men, and that's why they hired prostitutes who were male. Um, so... Um, they didn't identify as uh, gay then? Oh, no, they didn't they? identify as gay. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. Um, so in any way, in any case, what everything that... So you asked about three ways. Three ways could help a relationship, um, but they would also hurt some relationships. I mean, it really is um, as individual as every, as every, you know, sexuality is very individual to the, to the person and to the couple. And, um, you know, we, we just simply have to, we have to be honest about what our desires are. And I think it works most successfully is if you can be, in a, if relationships are, um, with people who both support your own erotics, which might be different than than yours, mm-hmm. um, or where you can have where you share a certain kind of um, of sort of honesty about your own desires, where uh, you know if you are someone who values you know open relationships, you know to be with someone who would also agree to that is much more I think is very important. Um, because otherwise you're going to be a person who cheats on your <laughs> spouse. Um, is is that more common now in I mean open relationships like the couple agreeing on open relationships? You think? Well, I think that um, I've read some research on open relationships, and um, from my understanding is that uh, the people who Anywhere from two to six percent of couples, and I'm talking about um, heterosexual couples, although maybe gay couples are included in this equation, but I really wrote, mostly read about heterosexuals in this, these particular studies. Two to six percent of couples had, uh, you know, what are called open relationships or open marriages, and um, and that number seems to have remained about the same for decades since. Um, I think this research started in the early 70s or late 60s. And, um, That's so uh, straight couples, you mean? Straight couples, right. Now, yeah. the percentage of gay, gay couples in open relationships is much, much higher. I, yeah, mean, I just I I recently think. read a CAP study, which is the center... Um, oh, CAP uh, stands for the Center for AIDS Prevention Studies in San Francisco. Hmm. CAP's study was talking about 50% of, um, uh, of gay relationships uh, being open. And, well, that surprised me initially because I had also read that it's a higher percentage, around 50% of gay couples in longer-term relationships end up being open. Uh, but the point is is that the, the, um, the possibility of open relationships among gay people is much uh, more... Um, not only is it uh, more possible, but it's more out in the open. It's more uh, culture. It's, it's the culture sorry? more. It's a okay. gay culture. It's more in the gay culture. It, it, yes, it is. But it's also not unheard of in, um, it, not only not unheard of, it's just not uncommon among um, straight couples uh, who in some kind of arrangement where extramarital sex is allowed, um, but I think in heterosexual couples, you know, having that conversation or, you know, going, it, it's just too difficult. And so I think extramarital affairs are, are what more, are more common among um, heterosexuals.
how about the percentage who are used to be called swingers, right? That um, they they have these swinger parties and stuff, and there's a swing. There's a convention in Vegas every year of right. the, of this these uh, the people that engage in this. Um, is do you think that's going up, or is that just a sub subset? I don't know. I, I yeah. think it's a subculture. It definitely um, is. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's increasing. Um, I, I it's. I just don't. I haven't read that that um, data. So, um, I, I would. I would be surprised if it would be increasing, just because um, there isn't. Uh, any equivalent um, subcultures that seem to be increasing in, in terms of around sexual subcultures, uh, but but that's just an an, a question I can't answer. Yeah. I mean, the, those subcultures exist; they've always existed, and they will always exist. Um, you know, whether the the only I think what can change is um, our the our dominant culture's view of. Um, not just the behavior, but the the couple's choices to to have that kind of lifestyle. I mean, I think people mistake those kinds of couples as lacking, as having problems in some ways. You know, some kinds of deficits in their relationships or some kind of psychological deficits, and that's simply untrue. Um, and you you know, you just need to look at gay couples, um, and there, you know, there is nothing that demonstrates in gay couples that couples with open relationships have any um, extra both either psychological or, you know, int- intimacy issues than other couples. Do you, you think, um, I mean, but if you're a politician, right, if one is a politician, isn't that a, there an aura about them that attracts people to go to bed with them? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... I heard over and over again this it was a Spitzer uh, scandal that um, they 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 were talking often in media um, you know and in commentaries in the punditry about powerful men and um, you know the both the um, whether or not powerful men were more attractive to uh, you know sex partners. But also, sort of the arrogance of powerful men, and how powerful men had, you know, um, felt a sense of entitlement to have whatever kind of sex, you know, that they wanted, and that powerful men often hired prostitutes. And my my re, my reaction to this was that this isn't just, um, you know, sexual trysts and hiring prostitutes and um, different kinds of. Um, Sexual erotics are not the purview of powerful men. While it may, while there may be, you know, psychological research on successful and powerful people and their sense of entitlement um, and their, you know, sexual proclivities. Every time I read that, I thought everything that happens with powerful men happens with ordinary men and women as well. Um, You know, it's it's. I used to have clients who. You know, we're school teachers and would have to save up to every once in a while hire me or other escorts. Um, you know, these kinds of behaviors are not um, limited to the powerful, although, you know, maybe it's that we hear it more often from um, because powerful people are famous um, and we think that they have more to lose. But I think one thing that is uh, one thing that people kept saying was, how could he risk so much? 
he had so much to lose, how he was so foolish, so stupid, when I think that um, many powerful people who have as much to lose are taking these risks and getting away with them all the time. I think for as many Spitzers that are caught, there are many, many others who are not. Right. I think that um, brings to uh, it's worth noting that uh, the New York Post is reporting that there was a Republican a GOP operative that actually sent a letter to the FBI re, uh, uh, snitching on um, on uh, Spitzer and uh, back in October. And so it could be, the, I mean, a lot of this probably is going on, but nobody is bringing it to the attention of the authorities. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation in most cases because... Um, you know, it's not, again, it's not something limited to one party or another, to one type of politics, you know, or even religion. It's, it's these, you know, sexuality um, and sort of people's sexual, I keep saying erotics, but, uh, you know, people's um, sexual tastes are across every kind of um, ideology. Sure. And... So when I, I had also read about, um, you know, Spitzer being set up by his enemies, and that didn't surprise me, and I, and I wouldn't, and I, I actually believe that there's probably some truth to that. I mean, he made a career of, it's, it's his first year in office as governor was one of the most turbulent years of any governor in New York history, and he made a lot of, you know, enemies in Albany, yeah. uh, New York, and he, um also, his history of going after sort of corruption and his combative style, um, I think he, in some respects, set himself up for his own fall. It, it, I, if I were on the other side, um, I, I could see, you know, wanting to find, you know, some weakness, um, some yeah, way to bring definitely. him down. And that's what ha- I mean, I believe that's what happened. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was an accident that he was found out. I think that his own history um, in in the way he dealt, you know, so competitively with his enemies um, and with so much contempt for his enemies, right. you know, he was very vulnerable, especially considering how he was behaving in his private life to what happened to him. Uh, apparently, the, this GOP operative had a friend in the sex industry in Miami who told him about this about Spitzer's ex- escapades, and so <laughs> he passed it on to the FBI, apparently. That's according well, yeah, to the I mean, New York Post. Well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It, it, also, I mean, Spitzer was, in, in some ways, I, if, he were, if he was anybody else, I may have had some sympathy for um, his situation in that, you know, it would be, you know, much, much was made of this a relationship with an escort that was completely overblown. Uh, in in some in another circumstance, but because of his own history in persecuting, um, you know the prosti- you know prostitutes and, and prostitution um, industry, then I had no sympathy for for him when this happened, and I you know he's a hypocrite. Um, but generally, and you know also he went after in his own history as uh, assistant attorney general and attorney general he went after you know the um, mafia and and, and uh, sure. organized crime and especially prostitution rings like high end prostitution rings are often run by organized crime and yeah. so someone 
someone was going to find out and, and um, you know, narc on him. And so it, it's just not at all surprising. Uh, we're talking with Tony Valenzuela about the sex scandals that are in the news. Uh, this is Dan Sang with Subversity here on KUCI. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, were you surprised at the prices uh, Spitzer paid for sex from this uh, girl called, or this woman called uh, Kristen? No, I wasn't surprised because I was in the industry, um, and the girls make much more money than the boys. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's always been that way, and you know, you know, and I and I say good for, good for them. Um, the uh, women can can demand, um, you know, as was shown, uh, you know, five thousand dollars an hour, up to five thousand dollars an hour, and um, and there are a lot of customers who will pay that much. Wow. Um, so no, th- those numbers didn't surprise me. Those numbers are also not common. I mean, there's, you know, there's, mm, yeah. there is a hierarchy um, and, a- and a class system within prostitution. Um, you know, the hierarchy is of most, pro- most people who are escorts um, are, are charging, you know, are in the hundreds right, per right. hour. Right. And certainly street prostitution is much less than that, and, and there's a real class division there, um, generally speaking. Um, so these were, as the, you know, the Emperor's Club, VIP Emperor's Club, um, it, it was in the name, this was a, an elite group of escorts who were charging the highest prices, in, you know, on the market. What, what would be a high, pr- uh, kind of equivalent high price among gay uh, escorts? Well, in among gay escorts, there are uh, those prices. It's some escorts, especially ones who are famous porn stars, they are um, able to charge more than than others. So, um, generally speaking, I think if you were to look on online or in in most sort of um, uh, websites. Um, or agencies for escorts, you're going to, for male escorts, it's going to be in the two to $300 range. Um, you know, overnight is a 1000 or more. Oh. Um, but if you're a famous porn star, um, then you can charge a lot more. And the, the thing is, with the gay male escorts, there are just too many, you know, gorgeous, sexy escorts on the web <laughs> that one can get for $200. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Where you know a, a man would have to be um, either looking for a, a certain type of discretion or policy around their escorts that a service might provide, so uh-huh. that he would pay a lot more money. Um, and you know, I know that exists too. A, a certain elite group of male escorts that are in agencies that service um, clients who. Demand, uh, you know, maybe they're very famous, um, and they want, you know, the extra protections that an agency promises them. Um, but even I had people who were, um, you know, well known either in politics or entertainment or whatever, who simply took their chances. And you know, among escorts, there is a sort of code of honor. You you always um, you always uh, respect their confidentiality. Would you out somebody that you found out that was a hypocrite? You know, that was voting against gay uh, gay rights legislation, for instance. 
Yeah, you know, um, probably. I, I probably would in if, if, you know, his public behavior was so egregious um, and so damaging, um, I probably would uh, break that code, but I never had that experience. I mean, that's never been my... You know, and, and, you know, hypocrites out there, be warned. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, obviously this keeps happening over and over with, um, oh, uh, what was his name, the um, Haggard. You know, his escort oh, yeah. in, in Colorado, I think it was, good for him. Um, you know, that's a different case. Um, and that th- those are rare exceptions. Most escorts absolutely respect the privacy of their clients. And they don't care what their you know politics are, what kind of business they're in. As, you know, as long as they're not they're not hurting people, and, and as long as they're not publicly in some way publicly going after the very behaviors that they're doing. I mean, um, but that is the rare case, and in, you know, and that is you know the gem we all like to make fun of. Are they all closeted then, or, or would you say that, you had said they may not even identify as gay? So would you call them closeted gays or what? Well, you know, no, I, I would say the vast majority of the clients I had in the five years I was an escort were out gay men. Oh. Um, and um, that, and, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that I can, if I were to guess a percentage, I would say 75% were just out of the closet gay men, whether they were, um, uh, you know, business people and it was just a, you know, the convenience of hiring escorts or what have you. Um, most of my clients were lived, you know, openly gay lives uh, from, because, you know, I, you, you have conversations with them and oftentimes you see them more than once. And so you get to know their, them and their lives to some degree. Um, of course, there was a, uh, also an, a, a significant portion, you know, maybe a quarter who, if they weren't closeted, um, you know, then I think they identified as straight. Um, and, well, then that, I guess the thing is is that they might, they were closeted about their behavior and they obviously weren't telling their wives. But I don't necessarily believe that they were, um, they were all closeted gays. I think some of them were bisexual. Some of them, some of them identified as heterosexual and in their regular lives were because they enjoyed sex with women and with their wives and on occasion would hire, um, you know, a guy to have sex with. I assume they were older, mostly older than you. Yeah, you know, there's, as a rule, yes. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of myths about um, both prostitutes and the clients. And about the Johns, for example, you know, the myths are that they're, um, you know, old men who can't get sex in any other way. <laughs> and that is, that couldn't be further from the truth. I think that the number one reason that a man hires, uh, and, well, I, I don't even want to say a man only because there is a sex industry, although it's much, much smaller. Um, there's, there is, there are women who hire male escorts as well. Right, right. But um, for... Generally speaking, men hire because it's convenient. That's the number one reason that they hire. Um, and, you know, one thing that didn't come up in this Spitzer um, scandal was the fact that his, his extramarital sex uh, 
was with prostitutes versus, you know, with, say, an aide or, you know, someone who, um, you know, he had met on his travels. Um, and in a lot of respects, it should be acknowledged. I mean, in, in some very important respects, it should be acknowledged that that kind of extramarital affair is safer to a relationship than, um, than non-prostitutes because there's clear-cut business between the client and the escort. Um, emotions don't tend to get involved. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, while it can be pleasurable for both people, there isn't, um, you know, the messiness that can happen with, you know, your, your regular affairs um, where, you know, there isn't money exchanged. And so in some respects, when a man seeks out a, uh, escorts on the side, can be, um, I think, uh, safer to the relationship than when he has flings with other other women that can potentially uh, become, you know, emotionally complicated. I think that's happening with uh, the co- the governor that replaced uh, Spitzer, Patterson, and there's um, more and more rel- relations in the New York Post again <laughs> about all the aides that he's slept with, uh, hiring rooms at the at some motel, right. and right. Um, maybe even the allegation is that maybe some campaign money was used, although there's no proof. But right. um, apparently there were a lot more than than what he admitted the day after he got um, appointed. Initial. Yeah, that it was just marital problems, and then it had ended. But they may. May have been right, and, and you know he's citing marital problems for his reasons, you know, to have these other, uh, you know, sexual relationships. Now I don't know the if he was seeking out emotional, you know, I don't know if these other relationships he had were emotional and that it, in that they were jeopardizing his marriage in an emotional sense. I mean, there is a there is a distinction to be made between sex that is um, simply for pleasure and sex that is tangled up in emotions between two people. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know the, the specifics of, of Patterson's, you know, sexual <laughs> trysts, but, um, but the fact that he was seeking out other relationships because he, have, he was having marital problems um, is different than Spitzer seeking out sex on the side that was cut and dry with escorts um, where, and I believe this, I don't think his marriage was in jeopardy because of these um, uh, times that he would see escorts. I think he, I believe, and from what I can see, from what I'm you know, reading about them as a couple, I believe they very much love each other. And who knows what will happen now because this scandal has probably... Um, you know, rock their marriage. But um, I, I don't doubt that they love each other and that they would, you know, hope to be together for the rest of their lives. Yeah, uh, I remember when I used to teach more here and I had a uh, sex worker um, come in to talk and she said the most the time she got paid the most was, um, was when she, um, when this uh, client just wanted to talk. Oh. So it was more like a emo, uh, kind of a companionship, I guess. Huh? Yeah, that you know, and and um, any escort will tell you that the 
you make the most money in your repeat clients. You know, it's, it's sort of your bread and butter. It's the ones who will call you on a regular basis, and you have, you know, you, you want to build that clientele of repeat customers. Um, and those customers you form a relationship with that is deeper. It isn't necessarily one where, um, you know, there's, there isn't any, uh, ex no one is under the illusion that it's a relationship that will turn into, you know, one where you'll stop being an escort and, you know, move in with a guy or whatever. Um, but there is, there is a lot of conversation. There is intimacy. There is, uh, you know, talking about not just his problems, but, you know, you can talk about each other's life issues. Um, there's a bond that's made between a client and an escort, especially ones that you see in over and over again that is special and important um, and uh, meaningful to both sides. And, in fact, I think a lot of escorts would say that that's one of the best parts of the job is when you meet sometimes extraordinary people that you have a relationship with over the course of years. Um, who and you really have this sort of mutual respect and admiration, um, and a lot of it is just talking. You know, sex only takes so long, and also those clients tend to hire escorts for weekend trips, that sort of thing. Well, they'll make well, they'll make a lot more money, um, and even though the money is being exchanged, um, it doesn't mean there isn't sort of genuine affection between the two people. Um, and by that, I don't mean any kind of affection that would jeopardize if they were already in a relationship. Um, and many of them weren't. Uh, but it's a unique type of relationship that is about, uh, that is deeper than sex. Do you feel that, do they feel that sometimes they want to cut to the chase and just have sex instead of all this talking? Sometimes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, uh, clients are... Uh, you know, would be charging for the hour, and right. you know they would want <laughs> it to be. Oftentimes, they would want it to be, um, you know, to take advantage of that hour's time. Um, you know, sex doesn't usually take an hour, um, <laughs> but, but sometimes it would be just getting right down to it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. And it's been years, you know, since I was an escort. But I would say that um, most of the time it was more more than just the sex. Uh -huh. It would be talking both before and after the sex. Um, and, and the sex would be, you know, a fraction of that hour. Um, and then occasionally it was just the sex. Um, and that's, you know, it was, it, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I when I was in Ann Arbor, I used um, I was a graduate student actually. I I worked on a prostitution education project that was trying to put um, initiative on the city ballot. The citizens of uh, Ann Arbor had already passed a marijuana initiative that was like a you know a few dollar fine if they find you know a little bit of marijuana on you. So there was like a traffic ticket basically. So we right. thought that was a good idea, and so we uh, a bunch of uh, prostitutes that I knew. Uh, they were some. Actually, one was lesbian, actually, and she, but she was uh, willing to work uh, as um, as a sex worker uh, to service uh, male clients. 
and she and I uh, helped out with this uh, initiative to try to get this uh, uh, initiative on the ballot. Of course, we didn't get enough uh, signatures, but um, at that point, we were trying. We were true believers in uh, decriminalizing prostitution. We didn't want the state to legalize it. Is that still um, the feeling among sex workers, or do you think they want legalization rather than decriminalization? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and in the organized, you know, I in the organized sex worker um, sex worker activism, I'm not sure where where the numbers lie in terms of who wants decriminalization versus who wants legalization. Um, I I, uh, I would want. Um, that's an interesting question. I, you know, I, I just don't know the answer to that. I've heard both sides, and the you know the beauty of decriminalization is, it's it's you know it's you stop going after people who are making their living. Um, in you know arguably, um, you know, perfectly legitimate ways, um, and the trouble with. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I would sometimes have conversations with, with other escorts about this is if it were legalized and regulated, we'd, we would probably start making a lot less money. Um, and that's one of the, downs, that's one of the <laughs> downsides to the legalization aspect of it. Um, and, but, and so decriminalization, you know, allows us, or would allow, allows escorts simply to go about their business, um, you know, without it being intruded in by government, but at the same time, there are also important arguments for legalization and regulation, and, and that especially in the cases of, um, you know, prostitutes who are uh, exploited by pimps, and uh, certainly, you know, children um, and who are forced into prostitution and the human trafficking a aspect of it, you know, all of that legalization and regulation will help. Um, How about the... Yeah, no. I was I was just wondering if is there a difference between straight and um, uh, straight and uh, gay prostitution in the sense that um, usually there's no pimp involved in the gay prostitution uh, industry. Uh, is that true? Yeah, there's there. Well, I mean, in some there are there are uh, agencies like the VIP, um, you know, Emperor's Club. Um, that was busted. There are similar agencies um, for gay escorts, and sometimes you know the, these agencies have boys and girls for hire. Um, uh, but generally speaking, um, well, it, it's hard to say because I I, I don't know. There are bull, you know men um, who are hustling on the street, and they may have pimps, um, although. I, I'm just I'm just not sure. I think the the phenomenon of pimps um, it tends to be more with female prostitution. I just don't know what the numbers are. But you, did you see yourself as a um, self-employed entrepreneur? A self-employed, I mean, rather than working for agency. Were you working for an agency before, or what? Yeah, I tried to work for an agency when I first moved to LA, and um, I just felt like it was an unnecessary middleman, and um, I quickly learned by what other escorts were doing that it was, 
uh, as simple to, to simply post your own ad um, and manage your own um, business. So um, for the vast majority of the time I was an escort, I didn't, do, I didn't deal with an agency. Um, and, and most of the escorts I knew were not with agencies. Right. But there, there were agencies that existed. The cops seem to be going after cr- people listing on Craigslist now. Yeah, you know, um, and those are free, right? The, are those in the not late necessary? 90s when I was doing the sex panic work, I um, I did some research and wrote an article about uh, sort of vice um, and you know vice laws. And um, I what I learned was that the law generally comes after after um, prostitution ring. Um, versus individual uh, prostitutes, and also um, uh, prostitutes on the street, because um, what they prostitution rings tend to be associated with with uh, organized crime, so law enforcement goes after them, and um, uh, prostitutes on the streets um, tend to uh, upset um, people in the neighborhood, and so. Law enforcement goes after them, um, but law enforcement doesn't have the manpower to go after individuals um, uh, on a regular basis. I mean, it, it would just be impossible. Um, if you, I mean, just look at the back of the LA Weekly or look online and see how many individual there, escorts there are, and you know, all of a, APLA would have. I mean, APLA, all of um, uh, yeah. LA PD. PD would have to go after individual escorts full-time in order to bust them. It's just too much. So what happens is occasionally they will, um, and they will publicize this sort of to scare escorts, they will bust individual escorts. And so, you know, it, it makes uh, you feel like you're taking your chances. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, I was in the sex work industry for five years, and I knew dozens and dozens of escorts uh, personally, um, and only one uh, I knew who got busted on a sort of kind of sting operation. And he um, uh, advertised individually online, and he was hired by the police, and he went to a hotel room and they arrested him. Um, that's hmm. one case out of many, many dozens. And, um, you know, and of, of the dozens I knew personally, I just heard many, many other stories where, um, surprisingly, hardly anyone gets busted. Um, and, you know, that's part of, especially if you're working online and not on the street, that is. There's a big difference between the two. And Craig's, so, yeah, and, yeah, Craigslist is also, isn't the most of it just individuals who are not even charging? Well, um, sometimes you'll see es- real escort ads, and they are charging, but it is mostly individuals. And I, I did hear that thing about es- about Craigslist, and I don't, um, you know, I, I don't doubt that, you know, the uh, that law enforcement and vice said, okay, let's bust some of these escorts who are advertising on Craigslist and scare them so that they'll stop. And what will happen is, you know, they may they may for a little while escorts will drop their ads from Craigslist, but then they'll come back again, and you know, they, they'll advertise somewhere else. Um, I mean, this isn't the oldest profession in the world. world. Um, this is the oldest profession in the world for a reason. There will always be a high demand for for prostitution, even in a totalitarian
authoritarian regime, you know, the party leaders would, prostitution would survive because the party leaders would be in demand for it. There, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it is a profession that will endure, as, you know, as long as we're, you know, on this planet. As long as people are sexual. Yeah, it, like, exactly. I mean, you know, we're, we're more likely to, you know, to destroy ourselves on, on this planet for some other reason, and, and, for, and that's what will extinguish prostitution. Um, you know, as long as we're here in, in some uh, way, the way we are today, will, prostitution will survive. Well, on that note, uh, we've run out of time. <laughs> Thank you, Tony Valenzuela, for talking today about what's behind all this obsession with sex scandals. It was my pleasure, and it's always a pleasure talking with you, Dan. I, I really appreciate your show. Thank you. I'll keep in touch. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, that was Tony Valenzuela, a former male escort, uh, and now a writer for various alternative publications, including LA Weekly, and uh, a critic of uh, kind of sex convention, I suppose you would say. Uh, this is Dan Zhang with uh, Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The show will be archived on the web at KUCI.org slash tilde. D-T-S-A-N-G. Thanks for listening.